Episode 329 of the Bevan James Isle Show, How I Wrote My Book. Radio team, welcome along to episode 329 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, uh, I'm, I'm literally seven days out from when my book is released and I'm being very consumed by this big massive project of mine. Admittedly, we're 99.9% done, but we are just ticking the boxes this week as we head into the book. And so um, when it comes to the podcast content this week, I haven't had much time to think about some of the deeper things I like to think about or to even arrange an interview. I've just kind of been consumed by getting the book ready to the market. So I thought today I, I wanted to do a podcast on how I wrote my book. And the reason I wanted to do this is that, A, this has been a passion project. So this is a project in my life that I believe in, um, I want to have influence with, I want to spread the word and get more people moving, more people loving exercise, you know, there was this, you know, this is something that I, you know, it was a passion project. And And I think a lot of people in their life have that thing that they want to do, but it never really happens. And so today I wanted to kind of just talk about my process within myself, my process when I was writing the book, and you know maybe even the business side of what I'm trying to do with my book and so on. So I just thought I'd give you some deep insight into that. Now, the book is coming out on the 4th of July, and I'll release the website then, but that's actually next Monday. So I know you, you guys don't always listen to this live, uh, but basically I'm recording this the Monday before this comes out, the book comes out, so I am going to do a, a short podcast next week just letting you know it's out, um, please support the book and I'll talk more about that later on. Uh, just one thing I do want to talk about before we get into the main gist of today's show, I was just speaking to a lady on the phone yesterday who, who was thinking about joining my running group. Uh, she was like 140 kg, hadn't exercised in a long time, and, and I had to be honest with her, I think where she was with her fitness, our running group was probably a little bit ahead of where she was, you know, I, I recommended that she probably gets into a walking habit first, but it just made me think of this kind of, how much in deficit are you when you're trying to move forward? Uh, this person, it was, she was really honest. She was really upfront and frank. Uh, she knew she had terrible eating habits. She knew she never moved. She, you know, like there was, there, there was she knew her problems. Um, and she wanted to get to 80 kg. So basically she had to lose 60 kg. Now, it's just, it's, it's just a, that's a massive journey, isn't it? Just when you stop and think about that. The project of losing 60 kg. And, and I was talking to her and I was talking about how you know, realistically a 60 kg, unless you get the operation, which which I, I'm not averse to, I think the operation is a really good thing to do, um, but some people don't want to go down that path, um, unless you get the operation, it's probably a two to three year journey, you know, and also you, you've got to consider that the person going on this journey is somebody who doesn't have the skills at this stage and the mindsets and the, and the framework in their life to actually make change and so you know you've got to think about what, what level of deficit I am, am I in in this area where are my skill sets and my my plan and what do I need to develop in myself moving forward no it's just really interesting talking to this lady you know my advice to her was just you know put that focus on the first period of 
putting habit of exercise into your life, um, doing it as an easy level, you know, some of the basic stuff you'd know from this podcast. But as I got off the call to her, and, and, I, and I actually sent her a link to where she can buy the book, because uh, I think the book can be really helpful for someone like her. Um, but it just made me think of, man, I, I'm very lucky in my life. I, I don't have any area where I'm in that much deficit. You know, like I don't have, you know, I don't have a 60 kg project in front of me, if you get what I mean. Like I've got some areas I need to grow in, I've got some areas I need to improve in, I've got some areas I need to sharpen up in, I've got some areas I'm doing really well in. But I don't have that, oh my God, I've got a 60 kg of weight to lose. Or, oh my God, I've got a million dollars of debt and I've got, I need a big shovel. Or, you know, like a student loan or, you know, and I just think, wow, it, it's it's something I don't have to face in my life. But for a lot of people, they do. And it's really hard when you have a massive deficit. And actually, interestingly, I was I was speaking to a lady, I was working with a lady, actually, who lost a lot of weight. She lost about 50 kg. And um, she was saying, I remember talking to her early on, and, and her journey was probably two, two-year, three-year journey. Um, and she had a massive deficit to work from. And... I remember talking to her earlier on, and she goes, yeah, but the thing is, you know, and I was talking about, well, realistically, this is probably a two, three-year journey, you know, but if you stick at it, you're going to get there, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, but you re- you see the people who do it in, in two months. And other than the operation, which, again, I have nothing against the operation, not many people do it in two months. Like, a big deficit is a big journey. And, I th- I, you know, I'm not really, not really sure of what the point I'm trying to make here is. It probably is that is probably is three things. Try to avoid big deficits in your life. You know, try to avoid big deficits in your life is a massive thing because if you can do that, you don't have to confront the three-year journey, if you get what I mean, or the, or the 60 kg journey, if you get what I mean. Like, part of you managing your life is to avoid, avoid big deficits. And, and if you want to think deep about this, you could even reflect upon... What areas are creating big deficits? So it might even be in your relationship. You know, are the way you're acting in your relationship actually creating a deficit, which ultimately means in the future you're going to have a long-term journey to work on your relationship in? That's a a really interesting question to think about. Uh, Your weight and your health. Are you creating a big deficit in this area? Uh, Your career, your finances, you know, these different areas that people do create massive deficits in, and then after the fact, they've got a massive hole to get out of. And so the easiest way to, to do that is to avoid big deficits. And, and a good thing to do in this area is just to reflect upon your life and just think, where are the areas where maybe I have a big deficit and what can I do to improve in those areas? And it's just a, it's a really interesting thing to think about. And then if you do have a big deficit, uh, today's show is not about this. Today's show is, oh, maybe I will do a podcast on this, is, is how to get out of a big deficit. But some basic things to recognize is it's, it's a long time out. It's a long journey out. Uh, you need to be really wise in the way you structure your, your plan forward. And I really think that your plan forward needs to think about developing your skills, the framework, the people around you, creating a success pathway that lets you go down that pathway in a really successful, successful way, and so on and so on. Uh, yeah, just an interesting thing to think about. You know, the thing about it, it can be done. There's plenty of people out there who have been in huge deficits and have turned it around. And these people probably, you know what, they see us, they probably do have these perspectives. So, yeah, if you have a big deficit, 
what's your plan to move forward from it? And then if you don't have, or if you see a deficit start to grow in your life, how do you avoid that moving forward? Anyway, uh, I've got a new patron. So I'm going to pull up the name. Give me a second. I'll be back in one sec. And I am back. And the patron is a new patron by the name of Sam Kenlin. Uh, I don't know much about Sam Kenlin other than to become a patron of the show. So thank you very much, Sam. And when you become a patron, you get a nickname. And when I thought Kenlin, I thought Kendall. There's a, there's a famous in New Zealand, a famous... They do windsurfing, windsurfing family. The one of Olympic medals, Barbara Kendall is one of New Zealand's most known athletes of all time. I think she won two Olympic gold medals. And then I thought, but you're not Kendall, you're Kendlin. And so then I thought, maybe something with the wind. And then I thought, the storm. Sam the Storm Kenlin. There we go. So you that's your nickname for the show. Thank you so much for becoming a patron of the show. It really means a lot to me. Your support is absolutely phenomenal. So thank you for becoming a patron of the show, Sam. Now, if you want to become a patron of the show, you go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on podcast, click on support me, go through the patron process. It's just a way that you can support me, get this content out there every week. When you become a patron, you get a cool nickname, but more importantly, you know you're supporting me and what I'm doing. And I want to say also thank you, big thank you to Belinda Thomas, Happy Heart. Core, Emily Gakagal, I've Got to Wear Shades, and Ian, Rise to the Top Rose. These are also amazing patrons of the show. Anyway, let's get into the main gist of the show. I remember years ago I read a book by Seth Godin. Seth Godin is, is kind of one of the most big names in marketing around the world and he's done a lot of books over the years and he's been very successful in spreading messages around marketing I suppose is a good way of thinking about it and one thing he he talked about in this book was do you ship do you ship and the basic premise was is if you have an idea do you have the ability to actually make it come true in the world if you have an idea, do you have the ability to make it come true in the world? So, you know, like, do you ship? That's that, that, that's that kind of concept of do you ship? And for a lot of people in their lives, they have that thing that deep down they know they want to do. Uh, it could be writing a book. It could be starting a business. It could be starting a new hobby, whatever it is. And unfortunately for many, this never happens. You know, they never actually get to the point where they are shipping. And this project here, my book, has been a real passion project for me. And I really hope, like, like to be honest, I've, I've put a lot of time, money, and resource into this. And I really hope it can help people because that's the whole purpose of doing this, is that, that I want to help people with exercise. And I've really gone into it with this belief. And today I want to talk about how I've shipped, if you get what I mean. How have I been the guy who two years ago from now, two years ago from now, sat down and thought, I want to write a book, and now, to you know, next week it comes out. So, where do I start? Well, I think I'm going to start with an idea. You know, where does, where does the thing start? So, first of all, I wrote my first book um, maybe about five, six years ago now, and it came out, and it did really well. You know, I was really happy with it, but it kind of was kind of a book where I just wrote it and put it out there. And let's be honest, if you had listened to this podcast, you knew that book because that first book was written very much just based around episodes I'd done on this podcast. And um, and the, the, I basically went away. I wrote the book over a week. I gave it to a publisher. They put it out. 
sold you know a certain amount of copies i made a little bit of money back on it and that was kind of the end of it and and i didn't really even try to promote it that much i did a bit of pr when the book came out you know i may have said on this podcast buy the book that was pretty much it and you know people would say you know i got some really good feedback on the book i remember quite a few people would come up to me and say oh wow this this from the book you know so there was value in that book but i remember and most of the reviews i got were pretty good and i remember i got a review on amazon australia and someone had said it's a good book i don't know if they've really added too much to the conversation around this stuff now at the time i'll be honest you know i, I was you know being defensive i was probably a little bit hurt by that because i think in that book i'd maybe i'd taken some ideas from behavior psychology and put it in a fitness context but i definitely felt i'd added something to the to the picture around health and fitness but you know, and, and overall, you know, that's that kind of put the microscope on the one piece of bad feedback thing. Because generally speaking, 99% of the feedback was, wow, this is a really great book. But that, that piece of feedback really kind of hit home to me. And after I heard that, I thought, there is another book in me. And the second book needs to be something that's for someone who's not exercising. Because at this stage in my career... We'd started the 5K program. The 5K program had had massive success. We'd become really good at helping non-exercisers be successful at fitness. And so I thought to myself, I want to write a book around this. So the first thing was, was the idea. You know, the idea that I had that I wanted to do. And my idea was I wanted to write a book for non-exercisers that gave them a pathway for success in bringing exercise into their life. So that was the general idea. Now, once I had that, the next thing I need to think about was the time management of this journey. The time management of this journey. And it's interesting because I, I, I write a five-year journal um, where I, you, you've heard me talk about this on the show. Where basically, each night I write a paragraph about my life and I'm kind of three years into it. And right now I'm seeing that, you know, pretty much to this day, I started writing this book about two years ago. And so when I sat down to write the book, I gave myself a year to write the book. And then I wasn't really sure how long after that would take to get ready for the market. So the first thing I needed to do was to, to think, can I fit this into my life? Now, with my first book, I went away for a week, and I just went. I literally hired a batch, went away for a week, wrote the book in a week. Now, the, the first book's a lot smaller than this book, so, you know, as an audio book, this latest book's about eight hours. My first book probably would have been about four hours. So this, the first book was a, a much faster book to write, and as I said, I'd already kind of written it because I'd written it in my podcast, and I just kind of had to write the words, whereas this book was kind of starting from scratch. So... When it came to the project management, I gave myself a different kind of way of writing the book. The first book was just go away, nut it out for a week, get it done. This book was more, you're going to give yourself a lot more time to write it, but you're going to have much smaller chunks of time. So whereas in my first book, I was basically writing 10 hours, 12 hours a day, this book here was very much written over one hour to three hour blocks, really. And it was pretty rare I got a three-hour writing section. You know, it was it was probably more one to two-hour blocks. And that would probably be once or twice a week over a year. So the book's about, I think it's about 75,000 words. Um, so, you know, realistically, I was I was basically had to chunk it out. Now, that's a really interesting way to write a book because realistically, each week, at the max in a week, I would have got six hours of writing, probably averaged about three hours over a week over that year period. And so I had to really think about how was I going to be successful in doing that? Because let's be honest, if you do an hour task, 
often you can muck around for a lot of the hour and not get that work done. So the first thing was, is in my habit of writing the book. So first of all, it came to good planning. So you know me, I do my weekly meeting and I plan all my week out really well. So the first thing I had to do was do that weekly meeting thing, was that plan my, my time to write into my week. Now, I will say there'll be some weeks I probably didn't write at all because life was, you know, other projects were more important. But generally speaking, over that 12 months that it took me to write the book, I, I, most weeks I would have got, that, you know, anywhere from two to six hours of writing and averaging out about three hours. So I had to plan that in my week really well. You know, and this is a really important thing to think about when you're trying to take on a project that's a passion project. Because I remember years ago I did a podcast on trying to lead a passionate life or trying to do a passion project. And one of the problems of passion projects is often they get planned in your life when you have the least time and the least energy. So a lot of people try to do a passion project at the end of their day where they're tired and fatigued and so it never really happens. So the luxury of my life is I do have autonomy. And so around that what I did is I planned in my week when, like, I only had, you know, again, two to six hours, averaging three. So I needed to plan it in a time where I had good energy to do that. And I did have the luxury to do that. So most of my writing time came after my lunch break in my day. Because my morning starts at, like, 4.45. I tend to work through to about, you know, 10, have lunch, about 10, and then, I'll, you know, about 11, I get back to work. Most of the writing in my book happened around that after that lunch break. So it came after a recovery time in my day where I had good mental energy. Now, so that was one important thing that came in place. The second thing that came in place when it came to writing the book was I had to really get good at being efficient with the time I had. Because basically, you know, again, if I gave myself an hour, you could basically waste 20 minutes in that first part of the hour, you know, setting yourself up, um, rereading what you've written in the past, you know, looking at the internet, just mucking around and procrastinating, all these types of things. So I had to have a really clear sense of focus when it came time to write. Now, a couple of things I did around that is I, I wrote in a different location than my office. Or well, actually, it's not entirely true. I basically, I have a desk I've got an office, I've got a decent sized office luckily in my home, um, and I've got a desk with my desktop on it, but I also have a couch in my office, and we have a, in my lounge in my house as well, so when it came to writing, I never wrote my book on my desktop, I basically set up a writing environment, or two writing environments in my house, one was in my lounge in my house, on my laptop, or one was on the couch in my office. So I set up an environment where that was the only time I actually used those environments to work. So I never do work in the lounge, and I never sit down to do work on my couch in my office. So it was it was a specific, it's kind of, I don't know if it's feng shui, but it was kind of like, when I'm in this location with my laptop, that's when I'm going to do this work. And that's, that's what kind of, there was another thing I did within this. The other thing I did is every time I sat down to work, I had a good understanding of the objectives of what I was trying to do within this time. And I think this is a really important thing for a project like this, which is very much a short period of time project. You know, I, I, at no stage, at any stage in the production of the book, did I ever spend eight hours on writing the book. Not once. So because I only had short periods of time and I didn't have time to be wasteful in that time, I also needed good focus. So I sat down and I just kind of write down what am I trying to get out of the time frame I have today. So it might be, you know, you're trying to get to the end of the section here. It might be you're trying to nut out exactly what you want to write here. Um, it might be you just want to review and rewrite a section. So it was, it was a real clear of, okay, I'm sitting on the couch in my office. I've got 90 minutes in front of me. Here's what I want to achieve today. 
Now, that was that really helped me, that framework. The framework of planning the timeframes, being realistic around the timeframes, and accepting the timeframes. So like I accepted this book was going to take a year to write. You know, I would have loved to have had a month just to quit everything and write the book and smash it out. I didn't have that. So I, I accepted it. I put that framework in place of planning my weekly meeting, giving myself locations, and then giving myself focus for when I was writing my book each time I was writing it. And that was a good little framework to work around the working. Then the next thing to really think about as I started the project was, what do I want people to achieve? And I think this is a really important thing to think about. Like, who is my target market? What do I want to teach them? And what do I want them to achieve by getting this book? So my target market was pretty obvious. I want to help people who who either really struggle with exercise or aren't exercising at all. This book is not for someone who's a regular exerciser. You know, if you love exercise, it's not for you. Now, I recommend you give it to somebody who doesn't love exercise. But, you know, like I knew my target market. It was people who struggle with exercise or have no exercise in their life at all. And what did I want them to achieve is I wanted to give them a pathway where they end up with a lifetime habit of exercise in their life. Like I didn't want them to do a four-week challenge. There's a lot of fitness challenges out there that are four-week challenges, and I didn't want them to achieve that. I wanted them to achieve a lifetime love of exercise. And that was a really important thing to think about because, you know, whenever you're trying to design content, a really good thing to think about is who is my audience? What do I want them to get from this? You know, and that's a really important thing to think about because it helps give you clarity around what you're trying to do. So that was an important thing, the the first foundation of what I wanted to do. And this is the kind of, you know, when I think about the first step of the project. So once I got that framework around how I was going to work myself, before I even started writing, I spent a lot of time basically doing the framework of the book, the framework. So once I understood who it was, and what else I was trying to help them achieve, the next thing I needed to figure out was what was the framework I wanted to work around. Now, I've talked a lot on this show about Dave Ramsey and, and how I love his framework around his financial advice, his baby steps. And so I kind of kind of came up with the same, I was kind of stole that concept from him, was that I wanted to do a baby step framework. And the whole idea was, because one thing I've learned is that if you want to create change for people, the best way for them to deeply install the lessons in their life is to take them through experiences that guide them through the change. You know, when people experience learning, they tend to hold on to the change. You know, I've talked a lot on this podcast around, you know, the reason we're so good at people changing their their perception around 5K running is because after six weeks, I've had 20 experiences of walk running so they've had these experiences that shift their belief around themselves. So I'm a big believer that if you want to help people change, we've got to give them experiences and guide them through these experiences in a way that will cement the, the shifts that they need to, to understand within themselves and then how to permanently put them in place. So the first thing in the framework, what I wanted to figure out was what were the key experiences I need people to understand and go through to create that lifetime love of exercise so for example the first experience people need to do is they need to learn how to prioritize fitting exercise into their life so that's that's the you know and that's kind of the first baby step the first baby step is i've actually got the, the exact words in front of me but it's kind of learn to fit exercise into your life you know i probably should have those words in front of me but that's kind of the first baby step but when we think about the frameworks and we think about the audience, 
there's a there's a different problem there because you know like learning to fit exercise into their life is one thing but learning to fit exercise into life with someone who's really struggling and failing with exercise is another thing and this is what was really interesting as I went through the framework phase in the framework phase what I was really trying to figure out is what are the fundamental things that we need to put in this person's life to help them love exercise but then going back to who is the type of person I'm trying to help and so let's just use the example of baby step one actually I'll, I'll pull up baby step one right now if put right beside me I can do that so baby step one is here we go baby step one learn how to get out the door with the right attitude so that's the, that's the, the, the baby step so I needed so, so basically learning to start exercise with the right attitude is what we're trying to do here now that's one thing but learning to start exercise when you're someone who's failing is another thing. So with the framework, what I needed to understand was what's the lesson? And it's kind of learning to get out the door with the right attitude. What's the challenge? And that's the experience I need them to go through to actually experience the shift they need to have within themselves. So within this baby step, the challenge is to do 12 exercise sessions over a month period. Now, that's that's understandable, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, you think that's realistic. But then if you go back to that, who am I trying to help and how do I guide them in the wisest way possible, that helped to shift the way I set up the framework. So when I sat down, I thought about the framework for the first baby step. Well, thought, well the first thing they need to do is just learn how to, to actually put it in their life, you know, to plan it in their life. But if you're someone who's not exercising or struggles with exercise, what are some of the barriers you're going to face? Well, not liking exercise is going to be a barrier. Finding it hard is going to be a barrier. Measuring the wrong things is going to be a barrier. So as I'm thinking of the framework and the problem they needed to face, I was trying to think of all those little barriers that were going to stop them from being successful. So again, the lesson they needed to learn was how to start exercise with the right attitude. The challenge they had is 12 exercise sessions over a month. And what were the barriers that would stop them from learning those lessons and having that experience. So in the framework of the book, then I thought to myself, well, what I want to do is basically go, what are the rules that need to be put in place for them to achieve the challenge? So what are the rules that need to be in place? And then what are the strategies and mindsets that will help them be successful as they walk down the pathway of this challenge? And I'll kind of talk you through the first baby step as I'm doing this now. So let me grab the book again. So, um, wait a second here right now. Okay, so the rules, rule number one for baby step number one is the only thing you're allowed to measure is did I get out the door? So this is a rule that we're talking about. And actually, interesting, I'll share an example. So I was telling one of my good friends the other day about the book. And he's a really, we're having a conversation with two other people actually. And we're having a conversation around um, the book. And these two people are high exercises. You know, they're actually business people, but they're regular exercises, love exercise, always do it, you know. And I was telling a guy called Troy, actually, my mate Troy, about this rule of baby step one. I was saying how the only thing you're allowed to measure is that they get out the door. Because what a lot of people who start on an exercise journey do is when they start, they expect to lose a lot of weight, they expect to see massive gains in fitness very quickly, and if they don't get them, they, ex they experience disappointment. Now, the problem in the first baby step is I'm trying to teach you just how to learn, you know, that thing of planning before you even start the exercise. So if we're, if we're trying to measure the physical results, 
that may work against you. Because in the first step, like basically one of the rules, uh, another one of the rules I have, let me again go back to the book here, another one of the rules I have is the exercise has to be easy both physically and mentally. I kind of say that, for example, um, you know, if you go for a five-minute walk, that's a win. Because at this stage of your journey, I'm not, I'm not really worried about the physical results. At this stage of your journey, I'm still on, did you get out the door is all we're looking at. And as you can see here, I'm trying to put these rules in place which helps that person who's not being successful navigate learning how to get out the door. You know, learning to plan their, their gear the night before, learning how to get up when the alarm goes off, learning how to get out the door or, or you know do some exercise in that moment. Because if we can get that part of their puzzle in place, then we can start to move them down the second part of their journey. And I was just going back to my mate Troy. When I told him about this chapter and I was talking about what, what some of the lessons in it, he was saying he had a mate who really struggles with exercise, really overweight, and he was doing really well for like three weeks, and then he jumped on the scales and he hadn't seen it, saw any change, and he quit. And that's a massive problem. So that's, again, that's a problem for the person I'm trying to help with this book. And that's what I was trying to think about when I thought about the rules and the strategies. So those are some of the rules. There are other rules. But then also we had the strategies you would use. So the rules are kind of like how you're going to be successful on a challenge. And then the strategies. So for example, one of the strategies is plan your exercise at times that give you a higher chance of success. So for example, if you know you're not a morning person, why would you put exercise in the morning? It's a bad strategy. Because you, now you have two challenges you have to face. One, getting up earlier, and B, doing exercise. So knowing that thing. Another strategy is just aim to do it consistently each week at the same time. Um, another strategy is to use how I will feel afterwards. So that's that strategy. I've, I've done a podcast on this. Is when you think about doing exercise, think about how you're going to feel when you get to the end of it. So as you can see, I'm sharing these strategies that will help them be successful on the challenge they're trying to achieve. And then the last thing I do, was a couple of things I do, is I teach the mindsets, the thinking that you need to have when you're working through this challenge. So for example, in baby step number one, some of the mindsets we've got here are, I am a beginner, so all I need to do is achieve the guidelines of baby step number one. Another one, another mindset is, making exercise hard is working against me. At this stage, I must always keep it easy. Another mindset is, if it feels hard when I'm exercising, make it easier. Another mindset is, anything more than what I did before I started this journey is a success. I'll allow myself to enjoy and celebrate this. So as you see, I'm trying to teach people the thinking that will help them be successful on the challenge, which will teach them the lessons they need to learn in this part. Now, as you can see, as I went back to this stage, the planning stage of how the framework these are the problems I was trying to solve. So then, as I went through this next step, I said, okay, that, let's say they get to the end of baby step one, they've done those 12 exercise journeys. What's the next lesson they need to learn? You know, what's the next thing? And fundamentally, I think they've got to find a movement they love. So what they need to do is they find it, if you can find it, if, if, if you look at people who love exercise, they have a movement they love. It would be different to, you know, what I love might be different to yours, but there'll be a movement they love. So once we've got to that first point of helping them love or, or put exercise in their life, the next journey they need to go on is exploring some movements they're going to love. And again, as I thought about this, I thought of who is the person I'm trying to help? How do we help them explore movements they love? So I think the next challenge is like over the next month, you're going to explore four to six different types of movements. And the challenge of that is they're going to basically go to different environments and try some movements. But again, 
I'm dealing with someone who's probably insecure and vulnerable around exercise. So in this start of, page of, start of the journey or stage of the journey, we want to maintain the habit they've done in baby step one, but then each week basically going to try one or two exercise movements. But again, I had to think of the rules, the strategies, and mindsets of helping be successful with this. So then I went through that journey of each of the lessons. So basically in this book, there's 12 different lessons they need to learn and journeys they need to go on. And at the end of that, fundamentally, they're going to have a lifetime love of exercise. And it was based around that framework of tell a story which teaches a lesson, give a challenge that will give them the experience that will help them learn that lesson, give them the rules that they want to apply as they're going down that challenge, the strategies and mindsets that will help them be successful with it. That's basically how I went about writing the book. And one thing I think that was really important for me in writing the book was, if I go back to Dave Ramsey, what Dave Ramsey does so extremely well with his content creation is he makes you think, I can do this. You know, and, and I think this is really important. Particularly, you know, it was interesting, before the show I was talking about the deficit journey, wasn't I? And I think it's really important that when we're trying to help people progress forward, we've got to give them a pathway where they go, I can do this. Because if if, if you give them the first chapter and they go, oh, that's way too hard, I can't do this, that's, they're never going to make change, are they? You know, and so each part of the journey, I had to make sure that I was giving the, the lessons and installing the framework that was going to help them have a lifetime love of exercise, but pitch it at a level which made them feel that they could do it and gave them the path where they, where they could do it. You know, going back to that second chapter of helping them learn to find a the movement they love. Now, in this stage, it's going to be a bit more of a challenge because they're going to put themselves in environments with other people exercising. And that can be really vulnerable for newer people. And so I put some rules and strategies around that. Like one of the rules is something like, you're a beginner, treat yourself as a beginner, expect to be, you know, expect to be unfit in that, and have a laugh at yourself, but just, just see, do you like this movement? Like you're allowed to leave early, tell the instructor, you're here, just give it a workout, a try. Five minutes, is, you know, that's cool. You know, it's basically giving them permission to make themselves successful on the journey. And I think that's really key, or at least in my creation of this content, was I was always thinking about what's it like for that person in that journey. Now, one thing I haven't talked about was the, the, the framework of the story first. You know, I, I fundamentally believe stories are such a great way to help people shift. And so each chapter basically starts with a short story. And the story is either a story of me learning something or sharing stories where people have gone through yeah, the kind of epiphany moment you know, that epiphany moment where they have massive change. And so basically each chapter will start with a story which reveals the lesson that they need to learn, really, in, in a way that, you know, because stories are really powerful. So that was basically the project plan. And then it was the writing, you know, the day-to-day, -day, as I talked about, the writing, which took that year. And, and, you know, you're kind of writing it, reflecting. You know, one thing I think is really important as a writer is you're often – having a self-critical, reflective third eye on you at the same time. And not a self-critical as in your shit. A self-critical as in, if someone who wasn't exercising read this, do they think they could achieve it? And there'll be times where maybe I put things in and I go, mm, no, that, that's actually not right. And because I, you know, I'm a very healthy, healthy fit man. And so for me, that was, 
you know, that was, that. you know, if I sort of told it from my perspective, it would, the book wouldn't work at all. And I just think it's really good as, as, again, always go back to who am I trying to help. And have them on your shoulder as you're trying to write for them. At least that's my experience with this book. So basically, for the next year, I wrote the book. So, and at the end of it, I had my first manuscript ready to go. From there became the project plan of this passion project. Now, the project plan involved how do we get the book ready to the market? What, how do we make sure we get a great product? What's going to be our business model? And I've got to be honest, I probably didn't think of this stuff till later on in the piece, really. I kind of <laughs> wrote the book and then, you know, in proper reflection, maybe I should have spent a bit more time on the business model, although I think we've got to the right place now. But, you know, it, it, you know that is what it is. Um, so then basically the next thing was was what were the pieces of the puzzle that needed to be put in place to make this project come alive. And up to this point in time, the book had been very much a solo experience. And my first book was kind of a solo experience that I just passed off. Whereas this time, we, we decided to go with a self-publishing model. Um, and I think I talked about this in the podcast a couple of episodes ago, but we are using a company that basically does is a publisher, but you pay. So we've paid to get the book produced through this publishing company called Mary Egan. And they've done a great job. But basically, I now became a bit more of a project manager. So I had to project manage with Mary Egan. I had to project manage, like, for example, getting the audiobook read, um, the, the website made. We had some back-end stuff we had to get done, video production, all these types of things. So I went from it being a project that I led myself to more me being, I wouldn't even say I managed because I got great people around me and just gave them roles that they came back with the finished product with or or I would tweak with. So it was kind of like more of a, I wouldn't say CEO, but more of a management role where I was just overseeing a project plan. And there was still a lot of work for me to do within that, but basically a lot of work was happening behind the scenes. And there was probably a few aspects of that. It was kind of managing the timeframes. So we knew the book, at first we were thinking the book would come out in March this year, and in retrospect, it wouldn't have been ready by then anyway, this time frame's been perfect. Um, and so once we knew it was July, we basically kind of, late last year we said, okay, here's all the pieces of the puzzle need to be put in place, and that's when we started working on all those projects. And so the next stage of my journey was that kind of the project plan, and it was that kind of... I suppose in that stage of the journey is you're working with people who you trust and you 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 know you're spending good money on doing good work. The 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 probably the, the thing to 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 your role or at least my role became um, good communication. So always having good communication with the people. Secondly, being being the fighter of the right things. And so here's a good example. Mary Egan have been absolute rock stars, but we definitely had a dispute over the cover of the book. So that when they they do the covers themselves and they go to the website, they do great covers. So what I'm about to say is by no means a criticism of them. But when they came to me, they said, you know, come off if you've got any ideas on covers that you like, send them my way. And so I went on the internet and I kind of looked at two types of books, basically fitness books or self-help books. And there's kind of two types of covers you'll see. You'll see the author on the cover with, you know, a pretty bright picture and big text or big text 
and maybe a little bit of a, like a, an icon on it. So I kind of went back with some really basic kind of Canva covers. I went on Canva and made some pretty basic covers, giving a basic idea of here's the two types. And they came back and they said, look, no author ever comes back to us with this much detail around the cover. So we basically, they came back to me with some ideas and they just weren't hitting the mark. And, and I wasn't that happy with them. And then I went back to them with some ideas and and it was really wishy-washy. And it got to the point where there was a little bit of tension. Again, minor but there was a little bit of tension there and we just couldn't get it right and they were starting to put a little bit of rank on the situation and I was like the cover they that we were at that point was good but it wasn't great and if I was trying to be kind I probably would have just accepted that cover but that was something worth fighting for there was you know and I just went back at that time I said look I want a great cover. I want a cover that pops, that grabs attention, that really, you know, really stands out and really has the ability to help sell the book. Because let's be honest, covers sell books. And um, luckily I pushed back because the cover we came up with in the end, I, I couldn't be happier. I think it's a great cover. I think it really, really, really great. Like I, I couldn't be happy with the cover. And that was kind of my role at that stage. So it was kind of managing good people, pushing back when needed to be pushed back and asking for higher standards at certain times. And again, these are minor things, but that was kind of my role. And then I had other tasks that I had to do in the background myself. So the thing about a book project is nowadays, you don't, you know, like we've created a course that's set on top of it. So I had to create the course. Um, there's a lot of content that goes around creating the book. So there's all these other things. I've created workouts that go with the book. So I've created all these other things as well. So it, while I had this management crew working for me or people working for me alongside me to get the product ready, I also had these tasks to do myself. And then basically it was just working week by week. And, and if I anything, it was going back to that kind of weekly meeting thing is that each week I basically I had a project plan I knew where I needed to be communicating with my people and I knew what I needed to be doing each week within the project plan myself. And I think that was a really important thing to get in place was this kind of idea of knowing where I need to be each moment in this journey. Because I knew, you know, once we knew the 4th of July was the release date or, or early July was the release date, we kind of knew here's the jigsaw puzzle and here's what we need to focus on at each stage. And it's been really interesting because if you've, if you've hung out with me in the last period of time, you'll, you, you'll know I'm tired. You know, this has been a very big project and it's gone on top of my everyday work as well. And so it's been very demanding. And while it's been very demanding, I haven't been hugely stressed because... I've been tired because of the volume of work, but my plan has allowed me not to be overstressed by it. And I think it's an important thing to think about because, I, again, I've, I've put a lot of work in, but because I had a good project plan and good structure around my weekly meetings, I just knew that this week, here's what needs to be done. And as we're, you know, as we're heading into the last week, it's all come together. You know, we're 99% of the project's done. We, we're probably finished... You know, we, we were ahead of the game for about three weeks to go. And I think that's a really important thing to think about because a lot of people, you know, think of most people when they do projects, even like to think of studying at school. Most people, when they're studying, they, they cram it at the end and it's a really stressful experience. And I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted to get to this point. And like this week, basically all we need to do this week is, well, do some testing really. You know, just to test that everything's okay. So that was kind of, the idea of the management of the getting the product ready for the market. Um, yeah, 
that was probably one other thing. And then lastly, I just talk on the business model, and I have talked a little bit about the business model before. The reason we went with the self-publishing business model is we want to be able to make enough profit to buy a bigger audience. That's basically the fundamental of it. If, when when, when I, my first book came out, every time I sold one of my first books, I think I made like $3. So you're really making no money off your first book. And again, I didn't really care. My first book was more of just a, a fun project I put out there. But the problem with that is you're making no money to spend on marketing. This book here, we make a lot more profit per book. That means that we can spend a lot more money on marketing and getting people moving. Now, the great thing about this book is I don't need it for income. You know, I, I might take a little bit of income out of it, don't, don't get me wrong, but I don't need it for income. And that's a really nice thing because fundamentally this project started with I want to help people love exercise. And so if I can get a book that makes me more money per book, I'm quite willing to throw all that money back at buying a bigger audience. Because if this book can really help people, imagine the impact I can have. And that's what this is all about. And so that's why I went for a business model where we invested, I think we've invested probably close to $40,000 on this book. Um, and again, I think I talked a couple of episodes ago that you know the amount of time I spent on it, it's probably been a $150,000 project. Now, the thing about that is if if we can make more money per book then and we can figure out the marketing and this book can help people move, like imagine the influence I can have. That's that's so cool. Because I, I fundamentally believe your life is better if you've got exercise in it. You know, and I think this is an important thing to think about when you are doing a passion project is and maybe a passion project like this, because not all passion projects are like this, but, you know, when I sat down to write this book, it was how do I help people who aren't exercising love exercise? That, that was the project, that was the, that was the goal. Now, if I'd gone with my old business model of just giving it to a publisher and hoping, it might have done all right. But the business model is actually a really important part of this question of how do I help people love exercise? Because our business model, A, gives us the ability to make more money to spend on marketing, but B, also we're doing a bit of a, we're called an affiliates program. So we're doing a thing where fitness professionals, medical professionals, anyone who recommends fitness can get commissioned by selling the book and the course. And that's really good as well because it means that I can get more reach by using other people's audiences. People can make money by selling my book. I don't care because I want to get people moving. And I think it's a really important thing to think about. I remember years ago, I watched a documentary on, there's a race called The Ram, which is a ride across America. And it's basically these guys, they're actually doing it right now. Um, they ride from one coast of America to the other coast as fast as they possibly can. And it's unbelievable. So they do it like, the record's like seven and a half days. So they're basically riding, I think it's like 5,000 Ks, something like that, in seven days. So, so something might not be that much, but something stupid. They average like 30, 30 I think 34 K an hour for seven days. And at the time, there was this guy who was basically the, the legend of the sport, but he was living on the bones of his ass. And they were talking about how someone who was beside him said, he's really good at one thing, but he sucks at this other thing. And what he was really good at, he was really good at being an athlete, but he wasn't very good at knowing how to leverage his achievements to actually provide a lifestyle for him. You know, so he was great at turning up to this race, achieving these amazing things, being this amazing athlete. And then... He lived on the bones of his ass all the time. And, and for someone who was achieving the things he could, there was, a, there was leverage that he could make. It could be a p- public speaking, writing books, training other people. You know, there was a big leverage that he could provide if he, you know, if he wanted to. But he was just never any good at that. And I often think in passion projects, that's often one of the biggest gaps, is people do the thing they're passionate about 
And then maybe it doesn't achieve the thing they want. Actually, it's interesting. One of my best friends, his partner's an artist, and his partner's a really good artist, but kind of the struggling artist. Now, they're very lucky because they're in a position where the artist doesn't have to earn a huge amount of money in their life. But but I actually think the artist, it's not even really about making money. The artist just wants to be more well-known. And the artist is good at art, but they're missing the piece that actually helps them get to the place where they want to get to. And, and interesting, like, like my band right now, we've got an album coming out, God, sometime soon, probably October by the looks of it now. And we are going in with a plan to try build an audience. You know, we're going in with a plan where we can try build an audience around it. And to me on the Passion Project, one of the things people don't explore is what's the thing I want to do? How can I maximize it and what am I missing? So the thing I want to do is get as many people moving as possible. What's the outlet? Well, the outlet is the book and the course that I've created alongside it. But what was the business model that can help me get as much reach as possible? And by me investing the money and the time into this, right now, we can put all the money we make on this book back into buying a new audience and help more people move. And we can get other people make money by selling the book. So like we can go up to an influencer on Instagram or, or a gym owner or good PT or other podcasters and say, hey, recommend my book. They basically get half the profit of the book if they recommend my book. And if they sell the course, they make you know pretty much half the profit of the course as well. And that's really great because I, if, you, if you get more people moving by helping me spread the word about my book, I'm happy for you to make money. Because again, my goal is to get as much reach as possible. I don't want to be the great artist who has this great piece of art and doesn't actually, no one ever sees it. I want to be the artist who has a great piece of art that the whole world knows about. And I just think that the business model is a really important thing to think about in this part of your journey. And, and I think if you are someone who's thinking about being a, doing a passion project, which you are trying to be ambitious with, because I get it, some people with passion project is, I want to do a piece of art that I put on my wall at home. Or I just want to write a song that my family can sing. And that's cool as well, that's a different thing. But if you are doing a passion project, which is, um, you know, that you want to make a bigger thing. Actually, honestly, I remember I mentored a young musician a few years ago, and he was a really good singer, he'd written some songs, he was really great. But he, nothing was happening in his career. And, I, and I, first of all, I said, well, what are you doing with your product? And he hadn't written a song in like a year and a half. And I was like, well, you've you, you got no product, mate. You've got to write products. And, and what are you doing to, to build your audience? And, you know, he went to a few open mics. And I was like, well, are you building networks? Are you, you know? And this is an important thing to think about. And so probably that was the last piece of the puzzle was what was going to be the framework that can help me get as much reach as possible? Because again, what's the goal? To get as many people moving as possible. Now, where I am right now is the book comes out next week, and I will tell you the website. The website is www.passionaboutexercise.com. Now, if you, you go look at it right now, you probably can order the book, but it might be a bit delayed if you order it right now because it comes out next week. Now, a lot of people listen to this after the 4th of July 2022, so if you're listening to this after that, go to the website, buy the book right now. Um, but the next thing, you know, the real job, and this is probably the next thing, the real job of a book is once the book's out. You know, and if I think about my first book, I did nothing once the book came out. I did some PR, so I did some TV and radio. I sent it out to my database, and I did nothing. And the book, sales-wise, did well, but then after that short period of time, kind of, you know, like on Amazon, I sell a book every month or something like that. It's not like I'm selling hundreds of books. And so there was, you know, and, and kind of, to be honest, I didn't really care. That was kind of what that book was. Whereas now, the real job of this book actually begins. So my job now is 
to create content that's going to help people grow, figure out that marketing piece of the puzzle, like how much will it cost for us to get someone to buy a book, what ads are going to work, um, doing that affiliates model to get on podcast interviews, you know, all of this type of thing. You know, it's basically the real work of spreading the word happens now. And I think for a lot of people, when they're trying to create a passion project where they want to have big influence with it, is they think that just putting it out there is how you how it happens. And I have no illusion that that's the case. Like I totally get there'll be a, there'll be an initial hit because I am doing TV and radio and all that stuff next week. Um, and I imagine that, you know, like you guys will probably buy it. If, well, I hope you do. Um, and you might help spread the word and um, my database, you know. So there'll be this kind of first month where the book will go really well. But how do I make it so the book's selling really well two years from now? And that's going to be the real project that I have to work on next in this journey. And that's where the next part of, the, the, you know, the tweaking of the business model and learning the marketing and all that kind of thing is going to be the next part of the journey. And if I can figure that out, that's when my reach become massive. You know, because again, my job is to get as many people moving as possible. And so as I look to this next moment in my life, the next moment in my life is the product's done now. The product's good and I'm, I'm stoked with the product. The back end, the websites, you know, all that's done. That goes, should go like clockwork now. So now my energy goes into how do I spread the word more often? Now, because I've got a good business model, that should then give me the budget to do that. But also I'm going to have to build a team around me. So the next thing will be finding a good marketing team, you know, finding good sales people because I don't want I don't want to have to spend my time doing Facebook ads, you know. So getting good people around me on that front. Um, building better networks, you know, approaching the right people, these types of things. And that's that will be the next stage of my journey. And all of this in mind goes back to square one, which was I have people I want to help and what's the best way to help them. Now, I'll be honest, I have been nervous over this last period of time because you don't know. Like this could, you know, this could be a thing. I remember years ago, there was a guy called Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar was kind of a real self-help guru back in like the 80s and 70s and maybe 90s. I think he probably passed away now. Um, and I listened to a book of his and he talked about all the products he put out over his lifetime. And, you know, this man had a very successful career. And some of his projects went nowhere. And I've got to accept there's a pathway that could happen. But I'm going to give it the best shot to making it successful. And I'm going to try my very best. I'm not, you know, after a month, even if the book hasn't sold that well in the first month, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to give it a period of time where I'm going to commit a time and resource to see if I can get to that next stage. Because the thing about this type of product is there's almost a tipping point where it does the work itself. You know, like you think of like a rich dad, poor dad, or atomic habits, or, you know, the big books out there. There's a tipping point where the book becomes you know, it's self-perpetuating, you know, the, the word of mouth and all the rest of it. My job is to see if I can get it to that point. And then from there, you know, that's, that's you know, that's that's where I need to be. Now, uh, there'll be a period of time, I might say after six months, if it's going nowhere, I'll give up on it. And that's cool as well. But at the first stage, that's what I'll be looking to do is basically spending my time on that. Now, what's the point of this? The point of this is that things, like the moment I'm really looking forward to, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, is when someone sends me an email and says, man, this is making a change in my life. Actually, I'm going to share, oh, no, I'll do that on the other side. Other side. Um, when somebody sends me an email and says, you're changing my life. We're, we're doing a f- private Facebook prep group for people who are on the journey of the book, and we're doing a higher level one for people who are doing the course. I can't wait to see people join the book and going on the journey. Like, 
that, that's what this is all about. And as you can see, I'm the guy who has shipped. And I'm really proud of that, to be honest. I'm proud of the guy that I'm the guy who shipped. And, and today, hopefully, I've shared you some insight on how I've gone about that. First of all, I, I thought of what I wanted to achieve. I thought of what I wanted to help. Secondly, I thought of the framework I needed to inject in my life that helped me to do that. Then I needed to think of the framework I needed to create to actually help the people I want to help. Then I had to do the production of getting the book written. Then I had to do the production of getting it ready for the market and, and knowing what I needed to fight for and holding standards and, and doing the work that I needed to do myself. And then... Now it's, it's getting it out there, spreading the word, and then the next stage of the journey is learning how to get more people to buy the book and actually help more people. That's what this is all about. If this goes well, you know, you think, you know, legacy, you know, you talk about legacy. This book can help the people I'm trying to help in really powerful ways. Like, I, you know, earlier I was talking about the lady in deficit. If she picks up this book and she goes on this pathway and two years from now she loves exercise, Man, I, 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 that changes the world. Like, like that's, that's worth putting this energy into. Now, I'm lucky. I'm in a life where I have got the time and, you know, I can invest $40,000 into a project like this. Um, but what a good use of my time and resource, especially if I can figure out this next piece. So, today's show is a bit different. Hopefully you get something from it. I do say... If you could support the book when it comes out again, the website is www.passionaboutexercise.com. You can go check it out right now. You will be able to buy the book right now, but um, it may take a little bit of time for it to come through, particularly for New Zealand. Um, it's I don't even know if it's on Amazon yet. The Kindle version's on Amazon, and the audiobook may not be up yet. So you may want to wait till the 4th, because that's when it's... Well, you can buy the audiobook from the website right now, but not from Audible. Um... But if you've ever listened to my show, and, and here's my sales pitch to you. First of all, if you're someone who's not exercising, this is a great book. And one, one thing is I've also created a course that goes on top of the book. And the course is basically a mentoring session with me each week for like a year. And I guide you through each of these lessons, and it's like I hold your hand through. So if you want that high-level experience where I'm guiding you, you can grab the course, which is on the website as well. But secondly, so if you're that person not exercising, invest in this book. Like seriously, invest in the book. But if you're someone who's not excited, or if you know the book's not for you, two things. First of all, buy it and give it to someone you know. Like, if you've listened to my show forever and you've got value from my show, this book's $37 New Zealand, which is about $26 US. That's, you can support me. I would really appreciate it. Just send some money my way. Now, why? Well, A, because basically you know that when you do that, I'm going to put that money back into marketing. Okay, you know. So by you buying this book, A, you can give it to someone in your life who you think can get value from it and can help change their life. B, you're actually, it's kind of like a donation to help somebody else love exercise. It's a really cool way to think about it. Secondly, can you help me spread the word about the book? And what I might do is in the show notes for today's show, and I'll do this for the, I am going to do a quick podcast next week, letting you know that the, book, the book's out. But what I might do is I'll put a, an Instagram post and a Facebook post in the show notes that you can just click and drag and you can download and then you can use to put on Instagram yourself and you, know, you can put a bit of a message to the link or your social feed yourself. If you could do that, that would really help me. Like seriously, it'll take like five minutes of your time. But again, you're helping me help more people move by doing this. And then thirdly, um, just tell your world about it. You know, now, if you are a fitness professional and you are somebody who recommends health and fitness and you want to make money from the book, if you go down the front, bottom of the front page, 
to where we've got the affiliate section, you'll see that there is, um, down the bottom of the page, is like the bottom bottom header, I suppose it's called, or the, or the, what is it called, the footer, you'll see there's a section that has affiliate. Click on that, you can sign up to be an affiliate, and that way, when if you sell my book, you basically make half the commission on it. So, um, yeah, so there you go. So, please help me spread the word about this book. This is a book that I'm so passionate about. It's been a massive project in my life, I've got to be honest, and... And I'm nervous, and um, I'm doubtful, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And um, your support by buying the book, by spreading the word, and by supporting the book is is massive because you're you're my you're my first audience. So yeah, and if you have got that project in your life, what do you need to do to make you sure you're someone who ships yourself? Right, team. So hopefully you enjoyed that. That what I shared with you today. Um, yeah, it's been a big project. Please, please, please support. Again, the website is www.passionaboutexercise.com. Um, yeah, I just want to share one thing with you. I um, just, I just, you know, the power of fitness. You know, I just we we had one of our runners yesterday, a guy called Gareth Hutchinson. We did a ten k running test yesterday, and Gareth's been running with us for about nearly two years ago, he joined our beginner program, he was overweight, he had neck size pretty much forever, he's now gone on to do his fourth half, he's training to do his fourth half marathon, um, when he first started he couldn't even run a minute, but yesterday he did his first ever sub hour 10k, and I just put a post on our, our private group just saying, really proud of you mate, because I know it was a big thing, and he was really emotional, you know, you could see it was a big moment in his life, and he came on and he just, he just said, um, he put this post up, but I want to share it with you. Basically, today we did a 10k management race, and I managed to go 58.50, which was my PB for the first time ever under an hour. To put this into context, my first ever 10k was about an hour 15 or hour 10. I started with extra mile runners two years ago with the Get Up to Five program, and at that time, I couldn't even run one minute, let alone 5k. But two years later, I'm training for my fourth half marathon and my second epic. I'm also 17 kgs lighter and counting, and my fitness and mental health have never been better. Like, how cool is that? He's got thank you to the coaches who have given me so much advice, support along the way. Thank you to all the runners who give me a nod, cheers, thumbs up, and a good on you when we're all slogging out there. Sounds crazy, but I look forward to the dark morning. So just, I don't know, I just wanted to share that with you. I'm really proud of that. You know, like, you know, saying, you know, one of the rewards of the book is when I get an email like that. And that's one of the rewards of our business is that we, that's what we do, is we we take people on this transformational journey. And when you saw Gareth yesterday, you just saw, you know, like, you you just saw pride. I just saw pride, you know, and, and it was emotional, like, you know, he worked hard, you know, and he was someone who had no skills around fitness, no skills around weight loss, and two years later, he's killing it, and he's still growing and achieving big things, and, you know, like, he is passionate about exercise, and, um, yeah, I just, I'm just, I love it, that's what, you know, that's my mission, is getting as many people to that place as possible, so, yeah, you can do it, you really can. Anyway, that's me for this week. Next week, I am normally it's two weeks between episodes, but this week, next week, I'm gonna once the book's out, you guys are gonna be the first people to hear. The website is www.passionaboutexercise.com. You can go there right now. Probably wait till next week to get the book either way, um, just because there are you know we are a couple of things which are tweaking in this last moment. Um, but yeah, bring it on. Help me help more people move. Anyway, as always, keeping you. I'll see you next week. <laughs>